This podcast is part of the A3K Network. For more information, visit www.anime3000.com. Warning. The views and opinions expressed by this producer are not necessarily the views and opinions expressed by Anime 3000, its producers, partners, or affiliates. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, everybody. Once again, welcome to The Other Side, the only anime podcast besides like one or two that isn't totally fruity. I'm Cody Meyer. I'm Matt Slater. And today we're going to talk about something that's going to it's going to piss a lot of people off. Pisses me off. This this is not the way because we record this podcast at three in the morning, so this is one of the last things I do during the day, and this is not how I want to cap off my day. I mean, I was having a good day. I played some injustice. I worked on Cloud Scratcher with all its cartoony happy people, and and then I had a nice little mushy ass chat with my new girlfriend and i'm I've come off that all in a happy skippy mood and what's on the itinerary after that we're gonna talk about this fucking shit well you think you have it bad this is the first thing i do in the morning <laughs> time zones are fun i don't know which is worse this is to cap off your day with this or to start your day with this well i guess it can't get any worse now just Kevin. bottoms out here <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's all up here for it's all uphill from here, Max. Today we're gonna be talking about a little piece of garbage by the name of Saya no Uta. It's or also known as Song of Saya. It is a very popular visual novel by Gen Urobuchi who went on to make some animes. Uh you may know his work. Uh he also uh spearheaded another little anime by the name of Madoka Magica. Pretentious faggot the anime. <laughs> Uh, but then, inexplicably, he went on to do, like, Psychopaths, and something, he worked on something else that was good. So it's like, someone backhanded him at some point? He got Stop making shitty stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we, we assume he had let less influence on these other projects. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that thesis, but my little joke scenario is that someone backhanded him and say, Stop making crappy shit! And he, he just rubbed his cheek and went, okay... <laughs> but I like making shitty characters. No! No, Gen. No. Yeah. Now, you can't make Adolf Hitler your character, main character. That's, that's not okay, alright? He's not a sympathetic protagonist. <laughs> but it will be edgy! Gen! Don't make me do it a fourth time. Okay? If, if you say edgy one more time, I'll give you a paper cut. <laughs> Uh, Sayano Uda is kind of infamous. Most people recognize its meat-covered visuals. Um, we'll get into its plot, but it's, bas- it's probably one of the most prominent visual novels there is, which says a lot about visual novels, like, a lot. Yeah, like uh, pretty much any conversation online where people ask for a good place to get into visual novels, someone will recommend Saya. And that someone is an evil, evil person. And should commit suicide. <laughs> yes. Uh, and I mean, that's kind of a running theme on the other side. We tell people to die. But uh, if you legitimately, and, and I think the audience listening will probably agree with us by the end of this, if uh, if you enjoy legitimately Sayonara, you're you're indescribably and and inarguably a bad person. 
Or you're the dumbest hipster ever who simply yeah. likes something because it's controversial and evil. Yeah, you have to you have to be a bad person to sympathize with these characters. And you have to be a bad person to be okay with any of this. Because much like US Angel Corps, despite the fact that it is fictional, it will disgust you if you have any decency. Yeah, let us put it this way. Blood is not even the most prominent bodily fluid that gets sprayed around. Um, Basically, I welcome anyone to come into the comments uh, and try to defend this. And embarrass yourself. Yeah, because I want to make fun of you. And I'm going to make fun of you. I'm not going to try to argue because you're a bad person. And I have a policy of not trying to get into intellectual debates with crazy people. Uh, Like, say, people that don't know the difference between subjective and arbitrary. People that give me the go-ahead to go rape their family. (laughs) <laughs> thanks by the way my week's planned and we're not joking I'm not going to say names or where you can find this discussion this discussion will probably be buried by the time this episode airs but uh, is, it, is it in the comments here on A3K someone is was so crazy in their attempt to uh, play the moral equivalency card that they gave me the go ahead to rape their family members to death Yeah, because, you know, in ancient cultures, there was no law against murder. Didn't you know that? Quote-unquote ancient cultures that lasted, quote-unquote, thousands of years. Yeah. Uh, Do you uh, think their family knows about this? (laughs) (laughs) They're gonna. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's, uh, we're not joking. Someone actually said it was okay for us to, like, they said it was okay for me to go and, and rape and murder their mother. To have my way in all ways possible with their mother. It's okay because morality is subjective. Uh, that is the age we live in. I'm surprised I wasn't on Tumblr. I wanted to bring this up because it's probably the greatest crazy person argument I've ever seen. I have seen my share of nut bars try to use moral equivalency to defend, like, like when some, when you try to paint something as black and white, of course, in this day and age of political correctness, it's like, no, different people have their values, and some stuff is just inarguably bad. It's just, there's no arguing this. Some stuff is just wrong. Exactly. Just but like how some cultures are simply superior to others. Yes. Uh, and there is also, the, uh, of course, you also, it ties into the fear of judgment, and I got into that with my debate with Sean Russell, where it's like, uh, people don't want to have anyone point the finger at them, so they try to take away the ability to point the finger. So, uh, so they will defend, uh, pedophiles and rapists on a moral level, so that their fucked up shit will not be judged either. Uh, when they defend someone else's fucked up shit, they are really defending theirs, or to be more specific, they are uh, trying to uh, attack you for holding people to scrutiny for fear that if you or anyone else did this, someone might hold them to scrutiny. Yeah, so that, they, uh, and that guy was basically the perfect example, because by saying that morality is completely arbitrary, he is basically defending Hitler and every other evil person to ever exist. Yes. And again, it's all a transparent attempt to avoid blame for their own actions, so they make sure that you can't blame anyone else for their actions. It's They're creating a safety net, and in doing so, they're making excuses for and defending pedophiles and murderers. 
So that just goes to show you how much this whole moral equivalency bullshit, like how good of an idea it is. <laughs> everyone's like the moral Yeah, everyone's just their own person. Who are you to judge? When those people are on the sides of murderers and pedophiles, I'm pretty confident in being uh, in doing the whole black and white judgment thing. Yeah, to quote Lordy, I'm better than you. <laughs> yeah, boo. No, to quote Lordy, boo, hoo, hoo, hoo. I'm bigger than you. And I'm the best. I'm the best. I'm the best. True. So now that we got that out of the way and had a laugh at uh, <laughs> someone who shall remain nameless, but uh, <laughs> look for the news of uh, of an older couple getting raped to death and you just trace the last name. <laughs> With salad forks. It's going to be a hot time in the old town tonight. Uh, <laughs> let's move on to our topic of discussion. Saya no Uta. Now, I'm going to admit, I didn't play this game. But you know what? My cohorts did. And that is the framing device we will use for this podcast. You two are going to tell me, you're going to regale me with stories of this visual novel that is supposedly uh, such an amazing psychological endeavor. Something that was so deep and profound that Kotaku just lovingly slobbered all over it. The only thing that was deep here was Saya's vagina. <laughs> so, guys, tell me a little bit about uh, Saya no Uda. How did this shit go down? Okay, then. So, the basic premise of Saya no Uda is that there's this asshole called Fuminori, who's like a medical student, apparently, even though he never demonstrates any knowledge about the medical system, but we'll get to that in more detail. Neither he... does any character at all, so... <laughs> So yeah, he's a medical student, and uh, at one point he had an accident with his family, and they crashed into something with their car. So the end result was was like their his parents' bodies were mangled together and died, and he almost died and had some sort of experimental brain surgery to save them, uh, save him. Technically, this worked. However, because this thing operates completely out of the field of Every uh, every single thing we ever know about human anatomy and how the brain works, this guy suddenly has some sort of meat vision and sees everything as covered in guts and blood, and he sees people as these horrifying alien Cthulhu-like monsters. So wait, 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 wait. A guy has a mysterious accident and wakes up with seeing things that no one else can see? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, that's interesting. Hold on, hold on. I, I seem to have a bit of a cold. Sukihime! Uh, uh, <laughs> oh, sorry, I don't know where that came from. I thought I, thought I was over the cold that made me miss last week's episode. Oh, I thought I was over it. I didn't know it would relapse like that. Um, anyway, go on. Yeah, so... Uh... Fuminori is, of course, completely distraught about this. It's like, oh god, my life is over. However... Oh, wait, uh, I, I'm going to uh, break kayfabe and admit that I do know something about Saya, a uh, little bits here and there. Uh, doesn't he also, like, when he touches everything, it feels like gore and meat? Yes. And, yeah, like, like he, all, of his, uh, all of his senses work wrong. Because that yeah, makes and, so much sense. Yeah, and, like, <laughs> he sees, like, when people, he sees people, these, like, hunks of disgusting meat, and sometimes he sees them, like, spit bile on him, and he feels it and mm-hmm. shit. Yeah, and, like, um... If you have the voice acting turned on, it has this filter over the voices when you're in the meat world. So they sound all distorted and inhuman. 
Mm. Interestingly enough, he doesn't see himself as a meat monster, and he doesn't see his clothes as anything out of the ordinary. For some, so like, but reason. when he's not wearing his clothes, would like would they turn to meat? I assume they're not on him, and then like when he puts them on, magically they're okay. Uh, I guess because there is one scene where it shows him lying in bed, and the sheets are meat, but his clothes are fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, why is he laying with clothes in the bed anyway? Whatever. Okay. <laughs> not everyone sleeps naked, Max. <laughs> but thanks for giving the audience that image. Actually, I do have pajamas, but seriously, you people have special clothes for sleeping, yeah, usually. They, yeah, I wear pajamas. He's, I mean, he's wearing his normal street clothes. This is silly, especially yeah. in a hospital. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, he has meat vision, and he is completely distraught about this. So instead of telling the doctors, he doesn't. Of course, you might ask yourself, why wouldn't he tell anyone of his condition and simply pretend to be normal and then be released, despite the fact that he has serious mental problems? Well, the answer for this, he actually gives us himself. Namely, he thinks doctors are basically all like Mengele. That is to say, they're all cold bastards who have no regard for him, are completely incompetent dipshits, and they would simply keep him as a guinea pig forever and experiment with him. Mind you, this is a person who is a medical student who therefore logically wants to become a doctor. Brilliant! Yeah, so, uh, yeah, all doctors are evil. And, uh, (laughs) precisely. So, yes, he is, this is one of the first indications that we get that this guy is a major douchebag. Then, after that... While he's in the hospital still, at one night, he gets visited by a mysterious girl. And this girl is special for a a very obvious reason. Namely, she is the first human being that he actually sees in this meat world. She's the only one who actually seems normal, despite having... Well, that, aside from her weird... Like, her hair goes into, like, cat ears, but they're not cat ears. Yeah. They're just chunks of hair that look like cat ears, because Ugu Nekumimi Kawaii. And she has this weird green glow about her, as, as if she was, like, a fucking insect or something. She's an angel. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so... An uh, angel which, is funny considering, uh, which is funny considering what happens in the end. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll get to that. Yeah. So anyway, instead yeah. of conclude what any even decently brained human being would do would be which would obviously be hmm if all human beings I see and everything normal I see looks disgusting and horrible then what the hell is that girl there he instead does not dwell on this at all and instead assumes she's simply a normal girl and for absolutely no reason he's able to see her as a normal human being so, uh, she, as she comes into his room, he asks to hold her hand. The green glow isn't suspicious at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, she seems surprised by this, who would have guessed, and then agrees, and then she says uh, she usually wanders around the hospital and scares the mental patients because nobody would believe them. Once again, our protagonist doesn't conclude what this would mean, and instead it's like, that, that's not nice, you shouldn't do that. Could you instead visit me every night? She's like, uh, okay. And uh, so she visits him every night, and so, as he puts it within the game, with the help of his secret nurse, whatever the hell kind of nursing she's doing, uh, mm-hmm. he is recovering very quickly. It's, it's all very disgusting with its implications, and it soon moves beyond those. <laughs> and he gets released. 
and uh, they so, stop being implications pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And this they, is an H game. Of course, it's a visual novel on the PC. Ooh. But whatever. Yeah. Yep. So anyway, as he's about to be released, the last touch he visits him once again, and uh, he says, "Why she's even in the hospital?" And she explains that she's basically hiding and looking for her father. And uh, yeah, then then he says, uh, "If she has nowhere else to go, why doesn't she live with him?" After all, he doesn't have any parents or anything that could get in the way. So she's like, can I really? And, uh, yeah. So once he gets home, she's there on his bed. Of course, everything's still covered in meat for his eyes. So he starts experimenting with uh, different, you know, color combinations to see if he um, puts paint on the walls that actually changes something. And it does. And by basically painting insane patterns on the wall uh, and on everything else, including the couch and the bed and everything. Basically, by covering everything in insane paint patterns, he sees it as normal, if green again. So he starts painting every single thing in his house, including over his windows. So, uh, yeah, absolutely not crazy, this guy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but uh, isn't the paint something special? Uh, uh, we'll get to that. Some of it, yes. We'll, we'll also get to that little tidbit because it's very fun. <laughs> anyway, so uh, he and Saya are now living together. So, uh, what is one of the first things these two do? Fuck. Uh-huh. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, of course. And uh, he's reluctant for, like, um, the whole of two seconds... It's like, isn't she a little bit young? Like, well, she acts like an adult, so... By the way, once again, another thing that doesn't make him (laughs) suspicious. The fact that she doesn't act like a child at all, or knows things she shouldn't know at all. Like, for example, advanced brain surgery. (laughs) But, uh, yeah. (laughs) So, uh, then... Well, Japan is perfectly normal for an adult to look like eight years old, right? Yeah. So uh, then they have sex constantly, and uh, she always asks him to come inside, and he's like, uh, shouldn't I be doing this? Oh, okay. <laughs> so he does. Like at one, at one point he asks about birth control, and she insists that he not use it, so he's just like, okay, whatever. <laughs> as long as I get some. <laughs> Better than me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. And then one of the beginning scenes we see is with him in the in a cafe with his former friends, which is like two girls and some guy who's like his best friend, and that guy is together with another girl, and the last girl has a crush on Fuminori, our main character, for whatever oh, girl. for whatever insane reason. Because <laughs> he's such a barrel of sunshine. Mm-hmm. And everyone is wondering why he constantly looks at them with disgust and can barely stand to hear them. And they just write it off as him being traumatized. And, uh, yeah, then, then we see him pay a visit to the doctor that he has. And uh, he's basically completely bullshitting her and starting to ask about the father of Saya, which is this professor... And the doctor blocks it off, and it's pretty obvious that she has something to hide. As we, I might as well explain this now, as we later found out, find out this doctor has, um, is basically responsible 
for the presence of Saya in the uh, normal world. So uh, when he put his research to the hospital and all, and uh, they found all of this shit out, uh, basically he then escaped and they had to cover up the mess because apparently hospitals are capable of doing this. You see, when Saya was living in this hospital for quite a while, things started disappearing, namely transplant organs, because she eats them. (laughs) (laughs) Can I... Can I say the... Yes, do it. She ate a baby. (laughs) It just mentions offhand that one night a baby went missing from the maternity ward and then just kind of moves on to something else without dwelling on that. I ate a baby! (laughs) Get in my belly. Baby back ribs. The main love interest is a baby eater. (laughs) No, I just want I just want a short YouTube video of Saya from Saya Nauda that one that one image where she's like standing there with her hands behind her back looking up like oh whatever and standing in the meat world like looking up at the viewer and someone animate a mouth movement and just have her go ah it's a baby you lucky wee man you lucky wee man that's just she's gonna have the voice of fat bastard <laughs> that is my head cannon that's her voice. <laughs> I ate a baby. <laughs> yeah. No, but this is totally deep, so we gotta be, we gotta be serious. We gotta be yeah, serious. you know what the funny part is. All right, let's let's treat this with the gravity it deserves. <laughs> this is not the worst thing she has done. Oh, we'll, oh, do. we'll get to we'll get to that because mm-hmm. I know about that one. So yeah, so all, after all that bullshit, um, we cut back from perspective to the girl who has a crush on Fuminori. And she decides to confront him after the uh, studying is over at the university, because apparently he still goes there. And uh, when she asks him, you see, before he had his accident, she told him she, that she had a crush on him, and he didn't respond. And then he had his accident, and now it's like three months, so she asks him again. And uh, then he's constantly being disgusted, of course, like, oh, God, why is this thing still talking to me? Ah. Oh. And then he says, I've always hated you, you absolutely disgust me, I never want to see you again, you're horrible, blah, 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 blah. And, uh, you know, our valiant protagonist, ladies and gentlemen. Of course, And nobody notices that the other two friends are watching all this. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were watching all this, all this, he walks off, she runs to them crying. And they're kind of pissed off about this. And, uh... This is where everything starts to become horrible. You know, he's acting kind of weird since his accident. Ah, he's just traumatized and everything. Yeah. Let's just go to his house one by one. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> yeah, not inform any authorities at all when we mysteriously disappear. Exactly. So that's what happens. Namely, the girlfriend of the best friend of Fuminori goes to his house to confront him starts noticing that, for example, the yard and everything is full of garbage and untended, notices that the door is open, that everything is uh, completely rotten and stinking. And we also get to see the rooms that Fuminori has painted in her eyes. And uh, that's when we find out that not only there's paint there, but also parts of humans, Uh, like blood and shit. Soylent paint is made out of people! Mm-hmm. Right, and in this part, it goes through 
a partial list of all this stuff, like the red of blood and the yellow of bile and the uh, what was one of them? It was like the purple of um, fat or something like that. Purple drink. But but when they show the image, there's weird swaths of bright green and blue. Yeah. yeah. Also, <laughs> like, I'm pretty also sure. brown. What's that from? Pretty sure you don't find those in the human body. Yeah, that's that's, that's paint that he bought. <laughs> I don't it's, think there's any baby blue in in the, in, uh, in the human body. Yeah. It's like someone was eating a lot of gushers. <laughs> basically a combination of paint and human bodily fluids, parts, whatever. So yeah. So she goes to confront him, but then Saya sees her, and as she sees her, she goes insane. That's, by the way, a reoccurring theme. People cannot look at Saya because she is so horrible. Uh, and she's <laughs> ripping off Lovecraft. <laughs> mm-hmm. My cold's back again. I don't know what's so uh, then Saya immediately slices open her stomach and goes in her insides. But before that even happens, the girl has already gone insane. So she kills her and butchers her. And well, then as Fuminori... Real quick, real quick. Yeah. Um, this is the laziest Lovecraft ripoff technique. And everyone that does it should be punched in the face. This thing where imme- you immediately go insane from seeing it. Stop it! World! Stop it! One Lovecraft deity would do that. Instantaneous insanity. The the fucking... The sailors in Call of Cthulhu saw Cthulhu. They didn't go insane. They fucking ran. Because that's... Freaky, weird shit doesn't hit an insanity switch. It freaks you out and you run and you might get traumatized, but you don't go instantaneously insane. I think it was, well, I don't even remember how to pronounce the deity of the day, like guitar carnia or whatever. Chocolate, chocolate, chewy, chip deluxe, whatever the fuck. I can never <laughs> pronounce it. But the one that like, there was two. Okay, there was two. I'm sorry. There one would cause you to go insane. One, or I might be thinking of the same one. Upon seeing it would petrify you so much in fear and, yeah, just fear, that your skin would leather up and you would turn into a living statue because you couldn't move because your skin had just spontaneously leathered up and you could not move. And through standing there alive, frozen like that, you would go insane. That's the kind of shit. Yogg-Sothoth? No, that wasn't Yogg-Sothoth. Uh, Yogg-Sothoth was the supreme holder of all the world's knowledge. The basically, like, so Yogg-Sothoth and Azathoth were the closest thing to God in Lovecraft. Yeah. Yep. But, uh, like, that didn't happen. That doesn't happen. You don't just see something so freaky and go insane. That's lazy. That's bullshit. That's, like, that is to uh, ripping off Lovecraft what modern JRPG villains are to ripping off Sephiroth. You just ripped off the aesthetics. You don't know why that thing you're ripping off was as popular as it was and why you should learn from it. You're just trying to make shitty human Xeroxes. Stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it, fucking stop it. Yeah, not to mention there's, there's another reason why this doesn't work, namely it's that the beings in the Cthulhu mythos, uh, especially the gods, are, aren't just, you know, ooh, this thing looks weird. They are, they are literally beings that are in, in a sense, outside of reality. So when you see them, you see something that should not be in your perceptions. Like, they, they exist within also within different dimensions as well. So uh, that's, that's why you can go insane when you see them, because you're seeing reality basically tear itself apart. This is yeah, not, like these this, are... Um, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, this is not the case with Saya. All Saya is... <coughs> 
is a blob of meat, and we find out later what she is. She is simply a biological organism that happens to look like walking tentacle rape. But uh, if you see this, you would be, of course, scared, and you might run away, but you wouldn't go insane. This is ridiculous. And you wouldn't just stand there, uh, well, I guess I gotta let this thing kill me now. Uh, so, yeah. You fucking book it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this si- is one of the one of the many reasons why you can't you're not allowed to say Sayano Uda is has good writing because you are objectively wrong and this is one of many examples because it cannot get grasped the basic understanding of what a scary monster is and what you do when you see a scary monster. So by failing that basic prim- principle, already we have an objectively terribly written story you can't defend. <laughs> Scary monsters and super, super creeps might actually make for a more accurate title for Sayano Uta. <laughs> oh, come on, who needs pacing and build-up when you can just say, hey, this thing is super scary, we're not going to show it, but take our word for it. Yeah, yeah. That's, another, that's another bullshit people keep lifting from Lovecraft because they don't exactly get how it was scary, they just know that it was scary, and that's never telling you. Mm-hmm. Like that, that fear of the unknown and letting your imagine. The idea is a your imagination fills in the blanks and and puts in whatever you think would be scariest, and b it allows that fear of the unknown because Lovecraft realized the ego people have the sort of the ego of mankind, and he made his story scary by then saying it turns out man is insignificant. We're like animals to these other things. Uh, we're not that special. And there are things that are in in this universe that are way above us and indescribable, and so that's why he did that. It was it was uh, a letting you fill in the blanks, and b uh, that sort of fear of the unknown, fear of the like, oh my god, m- mankind isn't uh, on top of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not in control. Right. Yeah. It's not ju- it's not just we won't tell you, and you, it, it's it's it just think it's just the whole mind will fill in the blanks like that's it like what could it be <gasps> I'm scared already you guys. Yeah. Ironically enough, yeah, Saya yeah. Uta tells you everything. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, like, like in Lovecraft, these are things that are like actually beyond human comprehension because of their very nature. In Saya, she's just a weird-looking biological computer. In fact. I guess you kind of spoiling some little brain. I got. I don't know how much we'll touch on it, but there's an American com- comic book adaptation of Saya mm-hmm. Buddha, yep. Song of Saya. I don't know much about it, but to its credit, a it ages Saya up, so we're not dealing with pedophilia anymore, and b explains Saya and what she is a little better and makes it a little more feasible. In fact, you guys will probably get into. I remember uh, before this we were discussing what Saya is and what would have been a better idea and the comic kind of kind of does what would have been a better idea and we see what Saya looks like like yeah, actually of, looks like of course these changes are classified by TV tropes as adaption DK because if she's not a lowly then you can't fap to it of course and of course if you showed Saya's real form uh, you ruined the s- suspense mm-hmm. I'm they not changed it more that they weren't faithful to Urobuchi's vision. Yeah, they were trying to fix it. I mean, I don't think the comic's any good, but just from those details, it looks like they were trying to fucking fix it. Yeah. All right, now now we get now we're starting to get into the fun stuff. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you see, so after the girl dies, Fuminori goes home, and he sees Saya like huddled away in a corner, eating some weird jelly-like looking blobs of yellow stuff. 
Yeah, basically it looks like lemon jello. Mm-hmm. And uh, then she suddenly looks at, looks at him sheepishly as if he's just caught her with her hand in the cookie jar. And uh, he's like, you see there's, a, there's another thing you gotta know, namely that Fuminori can't, can barely eat anything anymore because everything de- tastes disgusting to him. So Saya is constantly trying to cook new things for him to find something that he likes. And as he comes home, he's like, Hey, what are you eating? Can I try some? And before she can even say anything, he just scoops one of these things up and bites into it. And he describes it basically as some sort of fruit with a hard core. And it tastes absolutely wonderful, and it's, oh my god, it's so great. And in case you're absolutely retarded and still haven't figured this out, it's human flesh. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Cannibal hero, yay! (laughs) Uh, but that's what makes it dark and thought-provoking. Even more hilarious, he doesn't realize this at the beginning. <laughs> and says, yay, now we can finally eat together. And uh, and he, he asks Saya where she gets her food, and she says that she go out hunting at playgrounds. And he never puts two and two together. Hunting <laughs> at playgrounds? I didn't means. know they had fruit. Fruit-tasting animals hanging around the playground. <laughs> what are these weird things? On which trees do they grow? This is so strange. I can't. Why only at playgrounds? It. Yeah. I she she ate more play- babies. <laughs> playgrounds and parks. Like that's not suspicious at all. Yeah. So yeah, now then they eat uh, the girlfriend of his best friend together, and store the rest of it in boxes in the fridge. So that they can eat more later. And, uh, yeah, so, um, in the meantime, his best friend tries to follow Fuminori on his investigations because Fuminori is still searching for the doctor who's supposedly the father of Saya. And, uh, there's of course this scene where he's like in that old abandoned house and is like hunched over and looking at something and suddenly Fuminori is there and that's what are you doing? <laughs> and done, done, done. Of course, nothing comes <coughs> of it. And they just leave after that. <laughs> and then we cut to the What neighbors. are you doing? I'm going for a stroll. Oh, okay, see. <laughs> and then we cut to the neighbors of uh, Fuminori's house, which is like a husband and wife and their little daughter, and we see them eating at the table. And before that, Fuminori has been talked to by the neighbor, who was kind of subtly trying to get him to maybe clean up his yard a bit because there's a shitload of garbage there. And it stinks like something is rotting. I wonder if my that might be. Maybe because of Saya, but oh well. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So, uh, Fuminori is, of course, incredibly pissed off in his internal monologue. He basically verbally castrates this guy for even daring to speak to him. And, uh, doesn't give a shit. And, uh, then, suddenly, uh, oh, right, before we get to that, of course, there's a blowjob scene with Saya. Of course, yeah. Because, you know, he's been afraid of getting her pregnant, and uh, Saya says instead she's going to give him a blowjob because, you know, we'll we'll find out why she needs to suck him off so badly later. And he actually had moral reservations about it because he thought it was degrading to her. Mm-hmm. That's like the one line he doesn't want to cross. <laughs> Look, I'll fuck you in your pussy until I s- fill it with my man juice. <laughs> I don't want you to give me a blowjob. That's degrading. Yeah, what do you think I am? Some kind of animal? You think I don't have standards? <laughs> what kind of horrible person do you think I am? Fuck it! 
fucking a child is one thing, but that child giving me a blowjob is where I draw the line. <laughs> it's funny because it's true. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, what happens next is Saya breaks into the house of the neighbor and uh, basically sticks her tentacles in his ear and gives him basically brain surgery. She gives him the same uh, meat vision that Fuminori has. Of course, he goes buckshit nuts, and uh, as when he sees his wife and child, he, of course, brutally kills them. Because irony and, oh my god, this is so edgy, I think I just cut myself. <laughs> and uh, then she goes to him to say hi and to see if it worked, and uh, he says, like... That she looks like a little girl to him, and she's like, yay, it worked, basically. And then she's, why are you looking at me like that? And then he starts raping her. <laughs> because, why not, I guess. Like, basically every plot twist is rape-driven. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Every plot twist ends in rape. Yeah, that, that's, that's Orobochi for you. He only knows shitty writing, and lollies. And rape! Rape! <laughs> <laughs> I, see, well, we, that, I guess it's better than just knowing ball and good. <laughs> he, he might as well have renamed that game Saya Banana. But <laughs> I digress. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we get then a long and very elongated, elongated drawn-out rape scene with Saya where she's crying. Suddenly, this is the point where she can't defend herself anymore. Like, she kills and disembowels people with a mere flick of her tentacles, but suddenly when this old guy is assaulting her and raping her in her not-vagina, she's suddenly all powerless, and save me, Fuminori, save me! (laughs) And, of course, he comes home and starts grabbing a cleaver and butchers his neighbor, and then he's pissed that he died so quickly because he wanted to torture him some more, and that was the point that he realized that what he's been eating was flesh, and that he basically just killed his neighbor. And his immediate reaction to this revelation was basically like, eh, whatever. <laughs> actually, I didn't like him anyway. Yeah, actually, that's, that's not entirely true. He then went off that the neighbor was an asshole anyway, you know, for wanting him to clean his yard or something, and he deserved to die. Uh, even though Saya even says that it's her fault, which it is. <laughs> and then at, at some point after that, they go into the neighbor's house and get... Um, the wife and kids, so uh, so they can uh, you know keep their meat for later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's where the very first decision in the game appears. Actually, it might be an exaggeration to call this a game because it's ex- there's exactly two things you can do. <laughs> <laughs> there's two choices at uh, completely only two choices in this game. The first one appears at this point because Saya explains to him what she basically did and due to the fact that she apparently fucked around with that guy's brain she now knows how to fix him even though the doctors don't. So uh, she basically offers him to fix his brain. If you agree you get the bad non-canon ending in which uh, Fuminori is put into a mental hospital because of course people think he did the murders. And uh, Saya basically starts wandering the earth, and uh, yeah. If you say you don't need his, uh, say you don't need normal vision anymore, then he basically comes, uh, jumps completely off the slippery slope, and the first thing that he does is start to plot how to kill his best friend, because he knows too much, even though he doesn't know anything. <laughs> and uh, so wait, if you ha- if you decide to lose the meat vision, 
That's the bad ending. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So any, well, let's say hypothetically a sensible person is playing this game for whatever reason uh, and not doing so for uh, podcast material. Uh, th- any sensible person playing this game is going to get the bad ending. Yeah. Right, and it's the first option. Mm-hmm. No, I want to see horror all my life forever. I want this. Mm-hmm. This thing that's made me miserable, I totally want it to be a thing. Oh, yeah, we haven't even got Right, and after that, he's not conflicted at all. Like, he makes up his mind to be six with it. Yeah, and he, after that, he's basically, instead of being disgusted at everything, he's simply constantly smiling and calm. Uh, yeah, so after that, uh, Saya uses the phone of that one girl she has butchered as while Fuminori is away to investigate the doctor some more, and uh, calls that girl that uh, sh- who has a crush on Fuminori, and she basically writes... Come to Fominori's house if you want to see her ever again. Don't ask, don't contact anyone, and don't tell the police. And of course, like a dipshit, she does this. <laughs> and, uh, and then she goes into Fominori's house, and uh, then Saya is suddenly behind her and texts her some more messages so that she can communicate with her. And she basically writes her, like, you're the girl with the big boobs who's trying to seduce my Fuminori away, you evil slut basically, and then she starts attacking her, but instead of simply killing her, she rips her clothes off and fondles her boobs, and then she starts raping her with her tentacles, and uh, she, of course, goes insane, and her mind completely breaks, and uh, then, as we find... Our protagonists! Oh, it gets better. Uh, Then, as we find out, Saya... Uh, started a apparently incredibly painful process by which she also turns into a meat monster. And uh, that apparently means that this girl is now, despite the fact that her mind is almost completely broken, still aware enough that she's in constant agony and wants to die. In the meantime, Fuminori decides he can't fall behind Saya in the horrible person department, so he calls his best friend and tells him to go investigate some lodge that the doctor was staying at, apparently, like hidden in the woods. And then he pushes him down a well and leaves him to die. And uh, then he goes home and has a bath with Saya because he needs a victory screw after that. And then uh, we uh, Saya shows him the present that she made. And the present is, of course, that girl that she has turned into a meat monster. So Fuminori sees her as normal now. Right, and, and when Fuminori realizes what Saya did, he's just relieved because now he doesn't have to do the dirty work himself. Mm-hmm. He also reflects on the fact that due to the fact how that Saya is incredibly cruel by doing this, and that makes her so very human. And at that point, I was I like, fuck have, you! Um, yeah, I have that quote here if you want me to say yeah, the exact it. line. <clears throat> how wicked and terrible Saya is. Perhaps others would fear and loathe her. To me, however, her malevolence is irresistibly charming. The horrifying cruelty of what she has done to Yo is so very human. Though her shape may be different, her soul is the same as ours. Bullshit. <laughs> and, you know, if we're going to go with the Lovecraft parallels, that feels like, you know, a pretty direct ripoff of when, you know, in At the Mountains of Madness, they realize that the elder things, you know, had their own civilization and were in their own way men. Except there it made sense, and here it's just, you know, she's a 
cannibal rapist, so therefore she's just as human as anyone else. You know, mm-hmm. Nobody's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Even, even better, the girl that she's turned into a meat monster is wearing a dog collar. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's, that's like a present for Fuminor, and he's like immediately starts fondling her boobs, and then he has sex with Saya and her, and the first thing we see is like the girl sort of giving him a boob job. I mean, she doesn't do anything, but Saya is basically smushing them together and making the most amazed face like a child who has seen a frog <laughs> dissected for the first time. Look what I'm doing! It's like, ooh, squishy! And, so uh, that's what these are for. <laughs> that's Only I had look, some. That's what those look like. I've never saw, seen something like that before. Uh, yeah, and uh, then of course Fuminori ejaculates on her face and Saya licks it off. Uh, because lesbians. And then he starts raping her, and then Saya lays on her, and he fucks both of them. And, uh, yeah, I'm counting this as one rape scene, although you could arguably say it's two. Uh, yeah. And then after that... Are you masturbating yet? <laughs> you fucking losers! <laughs> and then, after that, uh, the doctor who was the one interviewing Fuminori uh, constantly at his appointments. The, she's apparently green-haired or something. Uh, she yeah. rescues uh, Kenji, or whatever the fuck his name is, Fuminori's <laughs> ex-best friend out of the well, and she suddenly wears a leather jacket and has a sort of shotgun, like she's fucking Ash all of a sudden. Uh, you know, I, I want to believe that this is that Kenji, and this is what drove him over the edge. <laughs> This is why he hates women. <laughs> He's traumatized by Zion. <laughs> yep. So uh, then they then they go down into the basement of this place and they see the mummified corpse of the doctor and she finds his notes and his gun and the gun she gives to Kenji. And in the notes it basically says that the doctor is responsible for bringing Saya into the world with weird occult experiments. Uh, by the way, interestingly enough, at uh, at one point when Kenji is investigating the place, he finds a manuscript, which is like this ancient Middle Age thing. It's uh, the Voynich manuscript, which exactly. is a real thing. Yeah. But there's really no reason for this doctor to have it. One, because it's about freaking Blanche. And two, because there's no human in this world who can read it! <laughs> but no, you know, let's not... Right, he was using a medieval botany text to summon demons from another dimension. Yeah. <laughs> then let's just name drop famous manuscripts because we are edgy and shit. You know, and hey, maybe after I do this, then I can name drop shit from a f- famous play, and I'll look really intellectual. And again, oh. it won't ha- I won't be using it right, but as long as I just name drop it, people will think I'm real smart. Yep. Seems to be a pattern, Gen. <laughs> so, uh... <laughs> Yeah, like she, the doctor finds his notes, and in these notes it explains what Saya is. It is basically an alien organism sent from another dimension, from an alien race, and it's sort of a progenitor of sorts, sort of like the, uh, like Adam and uh, Lilith in, you know, Evangelion kinda. So basically what Saya is, is basically a meat computer in, uh, that's, whose purpose is to, gather the semen of the dominant species of whatever planet it lands on 
and uh, then start transforming every living thing on this planet into more beings like itself. So in itself, it's sort of like an intelligent biological virus, if you will. So as you can see, nothing Cthulhuoid about that, especially since Saya can it, easily be killed. <laughs> but it, it's a grey goo scenario, except you have sex with the goo. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the goo is by far not as intelligent or complex. Or dangerous. Uh, but yeah. So that's that's what Saya is. Not exactly as impressive for Cthulhu right now, is it? It's just a gross thing. Yeah. <laughs> the fucking beings of the Cthulhu mythos are looking at Saya and just shaking their head. Mm-hmm. And it gets even more amusing. Here's the really funny part. Uh, Saya basically absorbed like a whole bunch of shit about human culture because the doctor was bringing her books. That's what, that's the point also where she started to refer herself as female because of the way humans reproduce. And here's the amusing thing. Uh, apparently these things try to adapt to the reproductive uh, way of the dominant species. And since Saya has apparently read a whole bunch of romance literature, she is of the opinion that in order to reproduce, she sh- needs to find someone who's in love with her. Which is why she didn't reproduce before. Because everyone would have been like, ah! Except for Minori, <laughs> that fucking dipshit, who didn't realize what she really is, and later on didn't care. Right, the only thing standing between the human race and extinction was Twilight. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. So, uh, yeah, the Doctor stays behind to read through the notes and maybe find a weakness on Saya, while uh, Kenji, or whatever the fuck his name is, runs off with his new shiny gun to try and investigate where the fuck Fuminori is. I just, I just love the the image of since this thing's like ripping off Lovecraft so much. I just love the image of just uh, Saya's whole attempt to take over the world, and all of a sudden, just like in in just some random ass moment, like like a giant fucking green gross hand covered in barnacles just smashes Saya, just comes down from above, smashes like you, like, you picked the wrong species. <laughs> Turns out that one wasn't very dominant at all, and just wipes Sai off on his Cthulhu, wipes Sai off his fat-ass belly, and just hobbles off. <laughs> Got tired of all the meat. Mm-hmm. He just turned over in his sleep. <laughs> you picked the wrong species. Man, Sai is going to get real disappointed when Yog sothoth shows up. Yep. It's like, I'm, uh, I'm the keeper of all the knowledge, and even, you know... I couldn't have seen something this stupid coming. <laughs> I mean, I thought more highly of everything in the universe. <laughs> yeah, even though Azathoth is literally a blind idiot god. Well, that, no, I'm talking about Yog Sothoth. Azathoth, even even Azathoth was like, man, that was stupid. No, I mean because Azathoth is basically the thing at the center of the universe that keeps everything, you know, yeah, existing, and like, sort of. Even with something like Azathoth at the center, I didn't think the world could get this stupid. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I was just, you know what? You let your Lethotep do whatever the fuck he's gonna do, cause this place ain't worth shit. <laughs> Look who they let take him over. <laughs> fucking, <laughs> fucking Wiggles <laughs> came in. I read a romance novel. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> it's like, like the old ones finally wake up and they look around. When did pulled pork take over the world? (laughs) (laughs) 
Shia really is the thing that should not be. Not because of her, she's terrifying and blasphemous, but nowhere in any strain of logic should she either exist or have succeeded in any fashion. Yeah. Makes you <laughs> she wonder should what... not have gotten as far as she got. Yeah, makes you wonder what the fuck the aliens were thinking who created her. This is a good plan. <laughs> this was probably the Moon and Night. <laughs> no, 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 it turns over the alien leader and it's the nurse from Katawa Shoujo in a crowded cave. <laughs> Great plan, send it off. Wait, they, they fell for it? It worked? No, he's not surprised. Oh, man. What are thinking? <laughs> well, like, it all makes perfect sense, though. That's why he has such a long neck. The alien race all has a long-necked people. <laughs> they sent their meat computer progenitor to take over our world. <laughs> You're led by an inept idiot. <laughs> Everything is inspired according to my design. Uh, he's, he's basically Invader Sim. They just sent him off without thinking he'd succeed. But somehow it worked. <laughs> even even Lord Nurse's surprise. Like, oh, wow. Oh, oh wow. Shit. <laughs> All right, let's go. Let's get in there. <laughs> Let's terraform this bitch. Come on. <laughs> that's my head cannon. <laughs> I'm saying that's true. That's that's how it is. That's the truth. Katawa Shoujo is actually part of the Sino Uda mythos. Uh, ironically enough, there's been fan fiction that crosses the two over. <laughs> but I bet it wasn't that awesome. Where Hisao is together with uh, Saya or something. Oh, that's that's faggoty. Yes. Um, so yeah, I get moving on from our awesome headcanon into uh, yeah, shit, right. reality. So uh, what happens then? Reality. We're, we're fortunately getting close to the end. What happens then is that our valiant antagonist uh, calls Fuminori on his cell phone and demands to know where his girlfriend is. Uh, in the meantime, while Fuminori is at the phone, uh, at the phone. By the way, we should mention that the uh, girl, he's basically driven insane, is now at least capable of, you know, speaking simple words, and is like sort of like a retarded puppy dog. And uh, while Fuminori is at the phone, evilly taunting his former best friend and telling him that he's supposed to come and get at him, and he's totally gonna kill him, he's getting a boob job by that girl. So uh, yeah. Beautiful. By the, by the way, for those, of, for those of you keeping track, that now makes five rape scenes, and that is only if you do not count that elang if you do not count that elongated one with the two variations as two different ones. <laughs> Otherwise, it would be six. But yeah, so uh, Kenji then goes to Fuminori's house, but he's not there. And as he investigates the fridge, he finds the guts of his girlfriend stored in there, and he's like, "Oh shit." And, uh, of course, Fuminori is stupid enough to think that he wouldn't look there or wouldn't realize this, and still thinks he thinks that his girlfriend is uh, alive. So he says, if you ever want to see her alive again, come to this place, blah, blah, blah. And uh, that's right, because, where... Because um, by this point, Sai and Fuminori have decided to move to a more uh, remote place. Mm-hmm. And... With their new fuck slave. Yeah. And Fuminori actually brings up, what are we going to eat out here? And it turns out they didn't bring any of the food they'd stored with them. They just left it in the fridge. (laughs) Again, inept (laughs) just... So Saya just has to go hunting some more. 
Lord Nurse didn't think this through. <laughs> like th- this meat computer wasn't programmed with logic. Well, it was, but it was the logic of the of the race that created her. Right. They drove three hours, and not once did, did they think, oh, "What are we going to eat?" <laughs> hey, we should run more out in the mountains. <laughs> we should run more. Hey, yeah. you have meat vision. You should eat more meat. <laughs> and then. Uh, Here, by try some codeine. <laughs> <laughs> Just take a whole bottle, you'll be fine. <laughs> then Fuminori buys himself an axe and uh, plans to kill Kenji once he gets there. And this is the point where you have the last decision in the game. Oh yeah, two whole decisions. Are you thrilled at this quote-unquote game? Yes, so much gameplay in this game. Mm-hmm. And you the get last more decisions than that in like the first 15 minutes of Katawa Shoujo. <laughs> Yeah, and the last decision of the game, which is also the second decision, <laughs> is if you is also very transparent. It's if you want to call the doctor for backup, or if you just want to go to where Fuminori tells you. If you just go there, then the first thing that uh, Kenji sees is like uh, his former girlfriend as a meat monster. She's like, "Oh God, kill me! I'm in so much pain." Ah. And then he starts shooting the shit out of her, and then he hits her with a lead pipe after he ran out of ammunition, and then hits her until she's dead. And then Fuminori comes in and is really pissed off that he killed his fuck buddy uh, because he's because you know his best friend is such an evil son of a bitch, and starts attacking him with the axe. Ironically enough, Fuminori is still losing and gets cracked ribs by that guy. <laughs> and uh, so Saya has to bail him out and uh, kills his former best friend. Uh, and then, after... Right, and he had been driven partially insane by seeing the meat monster. Mm-hmm. Of course, because, you know, when you see a scary monster, you know, again, you don't get scared, even traumatized, no, you insane. Mm-hmm. Right, but it's this a, time it apparently worked like halfway because he was still lucid enough to fight back. Well, he didn't see the original tentacle monster. <laughs> yeah. He just saw the copy. he just saw a secondary one. He just saw the mid boss and not the end boss. Yeah, exactly. He d- he didn't even see the smaller one with the smaller tits. Because <laughs> as you know, tits in reverse are like a ranking system with mm-hmm. the meat computers. Yep. So yeah, and. Uh, that's basically the bad ending. Then they eat him, because, you know, after all that exhaustion, just need a little midnight snack. Uh, and then Saya is suddenly clutching her stomach and falling over. And as it turns out, all that semen that Fuminori has been pumping into her apparently didn't go to waste, because she's like alien meat monster pregnant, and then <laughs> bursts into flowers or shit and then spreads her horrible semen pollen all over the entire world and every single thing in the world turns into meat monsters and the human race is fucked. Uh, and then a pretty song plays because, you know, this is such a great and emotional moment. And Fuminori is, of course, like, on one hand crying because Saya is dead, but on the other one he's, like, really happy that the world is going to be beautiful again. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, the last thing we see is basically, like, the doctor in a lodge in the mountains, and before she completely turns into a meat monster, she basically, just for its own sake, organizes the notes uh, of the doctor, of the crazy doctor. So that's a, a quote-unquote good ending, bad ending, I, I like the contrast there, because you have 
Saya growing angel wings while Fumihori mm-hmm. cries at the gift she's giving him, and then it cuts to the doctor drinking herself stupid. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's pretty great. Uh, so, yeah, and then, of course, there's the last ending, which is if you are not retarded and actually call the doctor. And it actually goes exactly like the previous ending, namely that uh, he goes in alone, he starts beating the, his meat monster girlfriend to death, which, by the way, since the doctor drove him there in the trunk, kind of makes you wonder what she was doing the entire time. <laughs> but whatever. Getting shit-faced. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, then as he's about to be attacked by Saya, suddenly shotgun blast, and Saya is getting hit, and uh, Fuminori is all pissed off about this, and then the doctor tosses Kenji some uh, bottle, uh, in which you normally store, like a thermos bottle, and in that is apparently like liquid nitrogen or some shit, uh, something really, really cold. And he's supposed to pour it on Saya, which he does, and it's apparently like the one thing she's vulnerable to, really cold stuff. And yeah, so they, make a, they make a big point of saying that you can't kill them with like knives or guns because... Even though you can. They'll just heal instantly. But the thing is, like they don't need to go through this whole liquid nitrogen thing because Kenji just killed one of them with a lead pipe that he found on the floor. Yeah, and Saya doesn't even directly die because of the nitrogen, but because of the second shotgun blast. So but just blunt force trauma will kill these things. Just beat him with a baseball yeah. bat. Yeah, but we'll, but we'll get to that. This is what's supposed to take over the human race. Mm-hmm. Something that'll lose to one human being. <laughs> so then, actually, ironically enough, Fuminori was a bigger threat than Saya. <laughs> so then... Um... The uh, doctor is laughing her ass off that Saya is finally dying, and Fuminor is really pissed off and starts charging at her with his axe, and uh, she of course stops laughing, and then she, instead of dodging it or anything, uh, she gets hit, and basically goes from her shoulder all the way to her heart, basically. Which is, uh, is Must be a really well-sharpened axe! Yeah, apparently. By apparent and even swung by pussy Mac uh, loser boy who can't yeah, even with fight his, ribs. who can't <laughs> even fight his best friend. That uh, thing must like be a magic axe. <laughs> yeah, so maybe Saya just lubricated it with his jizz or something. I don't know. Who cares? <laughs> uh, it's a meat axe. Actually, before he hits her, the doctor actually attempts to shoot him. You know, because she's apparently not as stupid as everyone. But then it turns out that the ammunition doesn't work anymore because it's apparently been stored in a wet place or something, and she doesn't know anything about where to keep ammunition, even though her father is in a hunting club, and that's where she stole the fucking shotgun to begin with. <laughs> uh, but the, the, the writing is so good. Mm-hmm. So after he uh, hit her, <coughs> she uh, then simply reloads <laughs> and shoots Saya one more time. <laughs> While grinning, and just uh, despite him, <laughs> yeah, it, it looks like this. Suddenly, this doctor is my favorite character. I know, that's the same way I felt. And uh, then, as she, while she grins and shoots Saya in her sideways motion, it's I, I guess it's gangster style. I, I like this I, picture. I know it's, it's apparently more gangster to kill aliens that way. So uh, then she shoots Saya one more time, and Saya dies. And then Fuminori goes emo and starts crying, 
and then he kills himself by taking his axe and bashing it into his <laughs> freaking head. And he actually needs two hits to do that, to <laughs> penetrate his own skull with a freaking axe. <laughs> Suddenly this doctor's my favorite character, despite her also being stupid. She's just... She still has that moment, like, fuck you, Fuminori, you bitch. <laughs> She's the only one who's actually enjoying all this. <laughs> fuck your lowly girlfriend. <laughs> like, like everyone else is running around, like, responding to phone calls and looking for uh, disappeared people. The doctor just rolls up with a shotgun and starts blasting until the problem's gone. Yeah, everyone else is just acting like the first murder victim in the Jason film. It's like, yeah, I'm just gonna go alone. And interestingly enough, uh, amusingly enough, the doctor is the only one who does not go insane when she sees Saya. <laughs> Instead of going, well, it's, ah, it's, she simply goes. Psh! I, I like to think she didn't even die from the axe wound. She just pulls it out and just fixes herself right there. <laughs> well, she is a doctor. She just stitches herself up, bitches. <laughs> Spins the shotgun a couple times, holsters it. <laughs> Yeah, it's implied that she's already crazy by that point, but I like to think that she was just like she she didn't care, so it had no effect. No, what happened? What happened was she had achieved uh, what is known as Nukem level, <laughs> where especially uh, is when you find yourself surrounded in some kind of level of stupid or wrongness, you uh, then say fuck it to the world that you're in, and you achieve Nukem level. <laughs> where you are slightly disconnected from reality in the sense that your mind simply operates on what is the most badass thing to do at this point. The only thing above that is JoJo level, which is like some kind of zen of badass where everyone around you is badass and the world and existence and life itself is badass. But Nukem level is to be just simply a badass individual. So she had achieved Nukem status. She became a uh, Lady Duke Nukem. She, awesome. she came to kick ass and chew bubble gum, and she is all out of gum. Well, I need to add something to my list of waifus, but uh, yeah, <laughs> leaving that aside. You know, uh, to be completely honest, I kind of did like the whole confrontation scene, because that's the one point where, first of all, you have actual character conflict, and where Saya actually gets punished for being evil and annoying through the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the best ending, because Saya dies. And, by, yeah, and the, is killed by someone who has reached Nukem status. Yeah, yeah. By a shotgun. In the very end, she's, um, Sai is reaching out toward Fuminori, and Kenji is just watching and thinking about how pathetic all this is. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I'd like to think of the Doctor as a more intellectual Ash. Yeah, it's pretty much <laughs> But Well, she does cut off her own arm in the bad ending. Yeah, she does. In order for it, because it's already turning into an alien, so she simply cuts it off. Yeah, see, she she is a uh, Nukem status. She is uh, in this world. Like she, this this story was basically following the wrong character. Yep. It's it's like it's like watching Twilight, and then all of a sudden the Volturi appear, and you're like, why the <laughs> fuck is this not about these three guys? Oh, it's, it's why crazy. am I watching about these two impotent fucking Nimrod, Nimrods when I could be watching the fabulous adventures of the three magic vampire fop pimps? <laughs> Yeah, like what they didn't what they didn't show in the bad ending was that five minutes later she attached a chainsaw to her stump and went to town. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, meat monsters! I love this doctor. Yeah, hell, it really it really is like the ending of Army of Darkness. Like suddenly everything is went completely to shit and she just starts killing everything. 
I got to I got to restrain myself because I know my girlfriend's listening to this podcast, but I, I don't know. This doctor's getting more and more appealing. <laughs> just just from this picture alone, like like that's what you want in a woman. It's just like I'm gonna give a fuck about this gaping wound, crazy ass smile, DreamWorks eyebrow, sideways shotgun, bitch, leather coat, leather coat. Yeah. It's like it's like TV tropes uh, constantly got everything wrong. This is a badass long coat. <laughs> you know, sometimes the story has a character that just doesn't serve to be in it. Yeah, and the doctor from Sinai. Again, it's it's like uh, it's like the Volturi in Twilight. Like, mm. why, why can't this be about you? I like you. I hate everything else here. Yeah. Hell, she even laughs at Saya. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's that. Like, <laughs> like there, you, there's your character right there. Mm-hmm. The whole thing should have just been the adventures of Doctor Tanbo, Saya Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she goes around with a crazy look on her face, hunting down meat monsters and shit. Yeah. Like, that would be awesome. Yeah. With one of their former best friends who saw his saw his friend be converted by the evil meat monsters. <laughs> so he's now he's, he's allowed like her sidekick. <laughs> yeah, fucking Kenji's like her sidekick. He's all impotent. He gets all that new monster we're fighting is gross, and she's like, "Suck it up, wuss." <laughs> <laughs> she takes a bullet to the head or some like they shoot some like meat thorn through her head, and her head like cocks back from the impact, and she slowly brings it back up <laughs> with a big ass grin on her face. Just a flesh wound. <laughs> Oh, hi, Alexander Anderson. Fancy seeing you here. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would have made for a much better... This is an awesome image right here. It's like all this stupid meat shit. And... Well, actually, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. We'll get in a minute. And all the, like, the fucking rape and lowly shit. And then, like, you get this badass image. Like, where did this come from? Like, this is why. This is the end of Sayana Uru. It's like, it's like a metaphor for Gen Urobuchi's progression. Because he makes this and then another piece of garbage. And then he starts making good things. This well, uh, this and psychopath was probably him fucking up, and he's like, "Oh God, what did I ever do with these series? How could I fail so badly?" Like my one regret was the doctor. I didn't like the way her character turned out. Yeah, I, I should have just made her a lolly who gets raped and killed by Saya. <laughs> this this image is like a magical thing right here. What I'm looking at this is this needs to be like the title image for this podcast. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean that's that's a that is. That is it is my single favorite image in the game. Yeah, that is Same the best, that is the coolest thing I've seen all day, and it's from this awful piece of shit. <laughs> it's like, like, what is this great character doing in this? <laughs> I mean, I don't know if she was this way through the whole game, but she becomes awesome, <laughs> and I want to see her further adventures. The funny thing is, she's boring and incompetent for the first like half of it. And then when she goes crazy, and we're supposed to think that she's gone off the deep end it's when she becomes interesting and fun (laughs) ironically enough she isn't even acting crazy so I don't know where the game got that from because she's basically ironically enough she's the most logical individual in the entire game because she actually plans things ahead and you know doesn't just blindly charge Fuminori like his former best friend did and she's the one who actually made plans that actually make sense and instead of winging it and then have the writer help you out like Fuminori does 
<laughs> She's like, bitch. I swear to God, this is like an this is like an amazing piece of imagery right here. Yeah, I guess this makes sense because in order to be intelligent in uh, in Saya in the Saya world, you obviously are crazy because everyone else is stupid. <laughs> Like I said, I want that sequel to Sayana Uda, where it's the doctor, and you've got Kenji, or whatever his name actually is, as her, like, uh, sidekick that still gets freaked out by the monsters. She goes around <laughs> killing aliens and shit. <laughs> With just a shotgun and a whole lot of moxie. <laughs> and a crazy grin on her face. <laughs> that would be amazing. Oh my god, are you kidding me? Every single picture in the game, she has that same grin. <laughs> you can, you can, you can kind of make it with like Man in Black, except uh, less black. <laughs> well, what's her name again? Tanbo. Uh, Ryoko Tanbo. Yeah, like, like the Ryoko Tanbo alien hunter. <laughs> like her fucking impotent sidekick. Like, hurry up, dumbass. Whoa, I'm dropping all the stuff. I'm falling down this well again. Shit, it keeps happening. Like, oh shit. <laughs> Like, oh shit, this meat monster's big, and she just takes, like, a huge cleaver and climbs it and just hacks its eye. <laughs> Crazy look on her face, like, yeah, baby! <laughs> oh, that'd be great. Yep. But sadly, now we have to leave our fun zone again and go to something really horrible, namely Kotaku. Yeah. <sighs> and it's terrible. Also, I'd like to point out, I pantomimed a chopping motion. <laughs> and I didn't mean to actually do it, but I hit my table. You probably heard that bang. <laughs> I hurt myself. <laughs> I, my knuckles are cut open. <laughs> and I caused everything on on my uh, computer desk to jump. <laughs> All my soda cans and the microphone and the speaker, everything but the monitor jumped up a little bit. I'm really bleeding. <laughs> it's nothing serious, which is why I can laugh. <laughs> it was the dumbest thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> I didn't give myself enough room for my pantomime. And I busted my... my it, no, it was my knuckles. It was my, uh, my finger joints. I busted my fingers open. <laughs> but I just love that everything jumped simultaneously, like, in a synchronized leap. Everything on this table. Point boob. Oh yeah, before we before Our first other side related injury. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, it's funny as shit. <laughs> I can't even feel pain, I'm laughing so hard. Alright. Um <laughs> go on talking about Kotaku while I laugh my ass off at myself. <laughs> Okay, um, see, there's, there's actually a second article that we, uh, that I'll quickly cover first, which ironically is right now being read by 666 people. That's uh, amazing. <laughs> it's called How Hem- Empathy Takes the Fear Out of Horror, and it's written by the same hipster fucktard who's written the original Saya review. And I can summarize that in a few quick sentences, but what he's basically saying is the reason why Saya is not scary is because, as he says here in the last two sentences, that is why once you see the person behind the quote-unquote monster, fear simply evaporates. In other words, it's hard to fear what you understand on an emotional level. So in other words, this guy is literally saying, the reason why Zaya is not scary is not because it sucks, 
but because it's so brilliantly written and because you can empathize with the main characters. So therefore, you're not afraid of them because you understand them and because they're so great. Yeah. But, but let's talk about the original review. Yeah, let's get to this. So his review of Saya, uh, he says, it's often called the single most fucked up game ever released and with good reason. Yeah, I don't What's know he doing that. calling it a game? Yeah, There's I no know. gameplay. Yeah, it's just... Actually, oh, no, but you made two choices. He actually covers this. Uh, then he, uh, he says here, From the start of the game, we can see that Fuminori's life is a living hell. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, from the start, it's hard not to sympathize with him. The trick is that even as his and Saya's actions move the pair straight into villain territory, you still sympathize with them. Not only getting you... This is the game's greatest success, not only getting you to root for the villains, but also in getting you to agree with their actions on some twisted emotional level. She ate a baby! <laughs> I think it says more about this reviewer than anything else. Yeah, and she wants to kill the human race. <laughs> uh, but so. I sympathize. Is this guy... You no, know, is this Lord Nurse... Like, spreading a propaganda campaign? <laughs> Possibly. Like, Kotaku is actually based on Long Neck Planet. <laughs> <laughs> Ruled by the Katawa Shoujo nurse. Yeah. And, and then he says here, let's be frank for a moment. The Song of Saya is a game filled with murder, filicide, kidnapping, cannibalism, rape, possible pedophilia, sex slavery, extreme body... Possible. Mood. Yeah, extreme body mutilation and scores of gut-churning eldritch sides. To put it another way, the Song of Saya is not a happy story and is in no way, shape, or form a game for everyone. Gee, and I w I've been wondering why Song of Saya wasn't rated E for everyone. Quite odd. So then he says here, here's how he, here's where he addresses this with the only one gameplay thing. The number of interactive choices in the game is limited to only two, with only two possible options for each of these choices. While I have long advocated that even a single interactive choice is all you need for game to be a quote-unquote game, I understand that, the, that many may not agree. <laughs> and though the number of choices in this game is minimal, the impact of these choices is major, as they completely alter vast portions as well as the ending of the game. Vast portions is a little bit too over empathized. It's after all, as we just covered, it's more if like make, if you make the wrong choice, the game is over. You get a game over. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really more like <clears throat> one choice, and the two actual endings are actually almost completely similar, except for the very end, it's like a few more text screens. So yeah, major impacts in the game. <laughs> and uh, yeah. So uh, he says that you feel less like a character in a game and more like the writer of the story, able to choose in what direction the story will go. I don't think I want to feel like the story's writer. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like a horrible human being. And uh, he says, uh, although although I think although that uh, that doctor lady is the kind of character I would have come up with, so maybe he's onto something. <laughs> And then he says here, while extreme, it was a great ride into the dark side of insanity that somehow manages to make you sympathize and even empathize with the protagonist, even as he becomes more and more depraved. As I played, I never felt that like in many recent torture porn movies, it was being fucked up just for the sake of being fucked up. Also, notice the irony of someone here decrying horror movies as torture porn and yet praising this shit. I never felt that this was being fucked up for the sake of being fucked up. Now, let me tell you about the tit-fucking scene. Mm -hmm. 
And then he says here, but perhaps the most fascinating thing about the Song of Saya is that somehow, in the middle of all the horrors it presents, it manages to make the abominable beautiful. And then shows a picture of Saya. And then he says, H.P. Lovecraft would be proud. And here's the rating. Should you play this game? Yes, in all big letters. The Song of Saya is a well-thought-out yet horrific story that takes you on a twisted ride into an insane Eldritch world where the normal is turned into the Eldritch. The game tricks you into forming an emotional connection with two characters who are objectively the villains. What I played five hours to complete the game and another hour to get the other two endings. So yeah, re- <coughs> replay value. And uh, yeah, so let's, let's first talk about this review a little bit and then I'll read you a few choice comments because they are amazing. Uh, well, I want to point out, Kotaku is, to, to put Kotaku in perspective... Kotaku is the place that has been actively and frequently promoting Anita Sarkeesian. Mm-hmm. Kotaku is the place that has been treating Anita Sarkeesian like she is the voice that video gaming needed. Yeah, like she's the rescuer of video games from their dark, misogynistic dark ages. Yeah, Kotaku is a fucking joke. Kotaku is... I, it stuns me. We are con- I mean, isn't that this also the place that had the guy that was bragging that like he got laid on Sonic the Hedgehog bedsheets? Mm-hmm. Like, there was an article on Kotaku. Yeah, and we are talking about freaking video game journalism here. Kotaku is quite literally the laughing stock of the laughing stock. Yeah, this is, I mean, everybody makes fun of Kotaku at this point. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm surprised anyone actually goes there for anything other than, like, bio-fascination. Like, oh, what's that Kotaku up to now? Yeah, these guys make IGN look like they have credibility and integrity. <laughs> yeah, like uh, Chip Cheesem and General Ironicus, Ritz, who played one of their game reviews. Yeah, and it was like, ooh, it's a half-naked girl's fly. It's like R-type for perverts. Yeah. Fab, yeah. fab. Yeah, again, Kotaku. Uh, Gaming journalism. Yeah, that's pretty much, that's become sort of like in some of our cliques has become the go-to joke. If someone brings up something from Kotaku, someone will yell, GAMING JOURNALISM! <laughs> of course, spelled reason, horribly it, wrong. Yeah, because, of course, it's fucking Kotaku. And this yeah. is a, a pr- further proof that they are a joke. Not only, you know, have they been promoting Anita Sarkeesian and did a whole article about, hey, I got laid on Sonic the Hedgehog bedsheets. But they highly recommend Song of Saya. Yeah, am, am I the only one who finds it ironic that these guys are constantly pimping Anita Sarkeesian's extreme brand of idiot feminism, and yet at the same time they promote a game that's misogynistic as all hell? <laughs> well, can't be that misogynistic. I mean, look at the ending. Fucking <laughs> badass chick in a leather coat. What, bitch? Sideways shotgun. Bang! I know, but it was a strong a female character. But it was that- a character like Fuminori. <laughs> I, I'm just gonna rape all you bitches and then we're gonna make you my fucking sex broken mind slaves. Yeah. I, you know what? I think uh, the Doctor character wasn't originally written by Gen Urobuchi. It was like some weird. The story took a life of its own and she was conceived within it. <laughs> like he doesn't quite know what happened, but he couldn't delete her. Like he tried to he tried to like backspace over her dialogue text and then it wrote itself nice try bitch. Yeah, and and then sends and then suddenly he got stabbed through the page by <laughs> her by, her hand with the with the leather jacket and glove just reached through the screen and grabbed him by the throat and pulled him toward the screen. Yeah. Said I'm taking over from here and let him go. And, and then, well, that would explain he, why she's like the only 
woman in the game who doesn't get raped. <laughs> and then, then <laughs> it explains got... why the ending is as good as it is. And then he got stabbed by eyes and then being told, when were you <laughs> under the illusion that you were writing this story? <laughs> Well, yeah, fucking like the like Genrubuchi had nothing to do with the ending. It just happened, <laughs> which is why it ends the way it does with like Saya being laughed at and shot like a bitch, and Fuminori dying like like a bitch. <laughs> Urubuchi woke up one day and he saw it on his computer screen. <laughs> How the hell did that get there? Uh, it's like oh the, no, it's oh like, no, they killed Saya. It's like, the doctor from Song of Saya is going to become like a mimetic character now. It's, it's like just, the, just like the, just like the, you know what they are? They're opposing. It's opposing forces in anime in the other side headcanon. It's the nurse from Katawa Shoujo in an, in a, in a uh, cosmic battle against the doctor from Song of Saya. <laughs> The nurse from Katawa Shoujo is, like, trying to take over the universe with, like, his many idiotic plans. And then the nurse from Song of Saya is always ruining his plans and being stupid badass about it. With a I'm crazy grin doctor. on her face. Oh, I'm the better doctor. Like, a crazy grin on her face. Like, there's a secret war of the doctors going on. <laughs> behind the scenes of, like, every shitty anime and visual novel. It all ties into the War of the Doctors. It's, it's like Dr. House versus Dr. Kegels. Yeah. It's, it's a secret war behind the scenes of all shit anime and visual novels. Yeah. It's just whatever it is in the other side headcanon. It, yeah. it goes she, back she, to them. Yeah, she basically is Dr. House meets Ash with green hair and vagina. <laughs> I want this to be a thing. It is a thing. In my mind, it's a thing. Yeah. We should, we should also have fiction. scenes of her treating her patients and horribly verbally abusing them. <laughs> that's, she that's, tre- that's she treats them like a fucking old school like battlefield shit, like the prison in Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> she fixes your spine with a kick, and, but, that, but you're all fine. <laughs> well, the nurse will treat you well, but he will, he will give you the worst fucking advice. <laughs> Like like you go to Tambo, you stub your toe, she's like pulls out the bone saw. <laughs> she, well, let's stu- get to work. No, she stub your toe, like give me your foot. <laughs> get the fuck out of my office. She's Batman's uh, personal physician. Dr. Tambo versus the nurse. <laughs> but you, hey everybody, you wanna write some good fanfiction? There you go. Tie that into every visual novel and bad anime. Dr. Tambo's epic struggle against the nurse. <laughs> this is the best thing. This is the best thing. Dr. Tambo versus the nurse. <laughs> the nurse is just the evil, like, Saturday morning cartoon overlord of an of a race of idiotic long-necked people from outer space. <laughs> and they're always trying to take over the world with some new plan. And Dr. Tambo's always ruining their plans. <laughs> like, every shitty visual novel. <laughs> like, fucking, uh... Cosplay Fetish Academy was a result of their plan to create an alternate universe of stupid porn people. <laughs> we, we, you don't see like at the after the end all the endings of uh, of uh, uh, Cosplay Fetish Academy. Doctor Tambo and her and her bumbling sidekick Kenji busting <laughs> just kill everybody. We gotta wipe this universe clean <laughs> before before Nurse assimilates the real world with it. <laughs> well, how are we gonna do that? And she just pulls out an axe the old fashioned way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it makes it, it makes you kind of wonder what what his plan was with Kamsimi tonight. 
<laughs> she has an axe taped to a shotgun. <laughs> axe she bayonet. She a problem solver. This is amazing. <laughs> this needs to be a thing. Yeah. I've said it a million times. I'm saying a million more. This, this is like beyond other side headcanon. As far as we are concerned, whenever something's shit, it is tied into this epic struggle, and that is how we will make garbage better. <laughs> we will spin shit into gold via the epic struggle between Dr. Tambo and the nurse. <laughs> Whenever I see a shit anime, I'm just in my mind. I did what I didn't see is the ending after the ending, where somehow it ties into that. Hey, Shinji, you whiny bitch, eat this. <laughs> Evangelion was like the like the ultimate plan of the long neck people. <laughs> like Ray was sent by them to destroy the world, <laughs> and then Doctor, after end of Evangelion, Doctor Tambo shows up on that little island with uh, Asuka, and Shinji looks down like, "Wow, you suck, kid." Well, nothing to do now. Repopulate the human race, and she kicks and like, get to it, you two. I'll be back to check up on you. If I see some babies around here, I'm gonna do something. Kenji, get the shit. Let's go. <laughs> yes, Dr. Tambo. Whoa! Kenji's have tripping over shit all the time. Learn to walk, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, but I was distracted by the giant head in the background. Nobody cares. Nobody cares, Kenji. Get your shit. <laughs> she just drives on a on a fucking jeep that just goes over the L the uh, LCD or whatever that goop was. It just rides over the river. It's, it's amphibious, and you hear slow riding fade <laughs> in the background. Take it easy. <laughs> <laughs> that's why that that that's why End of Even Gillian wasn't the end of the story because they fucking repopulated everybody. <laughs> All the other bad anime takes place in the universe of End of Evangelion after the world was repopulated by Shinji and Asuka. Explains why everyone is so retarded. Yeah. <laughs> if you ever wonder why you're watching an anime, it's like, man, everybody in this anime is an idiot. Well, that's because they're all direct they're all descendants of Shinji and Asuka. <laughs> it's like Noah's Ark, except even more terrible. Why do they have weird snout noses? Inbreeding. <laughs> <laughs> now, that explains Akunohana. <laughs> That's why we look so weird for the rotoscoping. Everyone's inbred. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I think the other side just fixed anime. <laughs> we cracked the code. <laughs> we just fixed anime. This is monumental. The other side has fixed anime. It's all one, all one universe, all one canon, and it all ties into the the struggle between Doctor Tambo and the nurse. You just don't see that. <laughs> so now every time I see bad anime, this is a running thing now. This is our new theme. Whenever we see a bad anime, a bad visual novel, whatever, how did it tie in? To the Tambo nurse time. <laughs> when does it take place? Be like the Zelda timeline. Where does this game take place? Where does this show take place? I think this one took place shortly after End of Evangelion because there's less people like a shitty fantasy show. The society was just rebuilding, which is why there's castles again and shit. I'm crying. <laughs> 
And what's gonna happen? Yeah, like like the shit, like the dumbass protagonist, Doctor Tambo's just gonna kill him because he's like fucking. <laughs> he was sent by the nurse. He's oh secretly God. their agent. <laughs> yeah. Well, better kill them all and start over. <laughs> you don't know how many times that's happened in this can. Doctor Tambo's like, oh well. Nah, nah, humanity still didn't turn out right. <laughs> she shows up in Gurren Lagon. Well, this world was a bust. <laughs> <laughs> she just blows Simon's face off. <laughs> like, when he's all old and walking in the distance, like, it cut the fade. It fades out right before she shows up. It's like, like she's like, and then Simon's like, who are you? It's like, doesn't matter who I am. Bam! <laughs> How the hell were you even lamer than your best friend who quickly died? Man, I thought things were gonna go good when that other idiot died, but you had to stick around. Shit. <laughs> yeah. Why the hell? Why the hell did Adam A. Elton John die, but not you? <laughs> we did it, guys. We fixed anime. <laughs> uh, I don't even want to talk about Urubuchi now. I just want to keep going on about this. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, now let's think. What crappy anime can we fit into this? I want to. I want to know where. Uh, oh my god! Uh, fucking Summer Wars. <laughs> <laughs> like Summer Wars, everyone was actually fu- like the idea of Oz was created by Longneck Planet. <laughs> and everyone <laughs> just went along with it because they had autism <laughs> from Shinji and Asuka. Because <laughs> they're all inbred. Wow, a video game in a computer, like, internet thing, that sounds like a great idea. Let's hook up our nukes to that. <laughs> that is totally the nurse from Kitawa Shoujo's life. <laughs> yeah, the, the love machine was actually the nurse the entire time. <laughs> that, yeah, he was remote controlled by the nurse. <laughs> this is his perfect society. <laughs> this is the world of perfect freedom. <laughs> That's, that's how Love Machine was actually defeated during the card game. Uh, fucking uh, Dr. Tambo showed up, like, where, where the nurse was at the remote control. <laughs> and she showed up, she kicked down the door. She's like, caught you, bitch. And he's like, whoa, and he runs off and she blows away the controls. Yeah, koi koi to you, you cunt. <laughs> and bye if you hear koi koi one more goddamn time. Blam! That's why Love Machine disintegrated right there. Because she shot the controls. <laughs> and her shotgun blast manifested as that weird costume <laughs> for the fucking whales. <laughs> because this internet was built on idiot logic. <laughs> I saved the world and got a DLC costume for it. Uh, just because some whales spooged on me. <laughs> It's totally Oz was totally created by the long neck people. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> they don't, they don't even know themselves why they want to dominate the universe. They just thought it would be cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> Sukahime was the nurse read a vampire novel and decided he'd try to make his own. <laughs> Twilight, I can do this better. <laughs> He's reading Twilight, like his his face is obscured. 
like the first shot his face up here and he slowly puts it down with an evil grin and then starts rubbing his chin like I've got an idea. I have a new plan, boys. Ready the vats. He cooks up all the bad enemy characters. <laughs> <laughs> and he created the fucking ancient apostles or whatever they are. Yeah. <coughs> the ancestors. <clears throat> See, it's brilliant because I call them vampires, but they're actually not vampires at all. <laughs> Fate say that it was the same thing, except he read Lamort to Arthur. <laughs> That's why they're. That's why Face Danite's in the same universe, but you don't see any of the shit from Tsukihime happening because fucking Doctor Tambo busted and blew away all the fucking vampires. <laughs> so like, but during this because they're in the same universe because it was like an immediate next attempt. Like, Face Danite was all part of Plan B. <laughs> oh my fucking god! <laughs> the nurse comes in to check up. Everyone's dead. <laughs> Makes you wonder where Kodomonojikan fits into that. It was it was a nurse's plan to turn everyone into a pedophile. It was like Sai, it started with the one guy. <laughs> I thought I thought it was Dokuro-chan. <laughs> Dokuro- Two very closely related universes. <laughs> it was like uh, when Kodomonojikan, the main girl, is actually like a, a second attempt at a Sai plan. Send this girl down to corrupt this man, and eventually it'll happen to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't work. So that's no, just... it did work. It, it no, it didn't work. So he tried to upgrade it a little more, and that's Dogoro Chan. Yeah, it's just glue some angel wings onto that. Then... Let's try it again, but let's glue some angel wings on. Yeah, it. dye her hair blue and make her tsundere. That'll be cool. And give her a freaking bat. Then it'll work. That's random, right? Kids she... likes that. I was like, yeah, that, yeah, I think if we just, uh, all she needs is a hair color change and some wings, that'll take over, that'll take over the world. That's why I got it wrong. <laughs> That's what the plane was missing. All right, let's hurry up and see if she can pull this off before that chick with the shotgun shows up again. <laughs> and then after that didn't work, he tried it a third time with Asteroid Story. <laughs> Okay, what I need to do, I need to separate the pedophile, lowly people into their own world. And then I'll start having them bring the man to their world. That'll do it. Yeah, but I won't call it semen. That way it'll be secret, right? <laughs> that way no one, that way that damn doctor lady won't find, won't catch wind of it. <laughs> Just like after the final episode of Astronaut Story, she busts into the astronaut universe. Yeah. <laughs> Finally found his damn place <laughs> in her in her in amphibious jeep with raised monster truck tires. The nurse just clutches at his hair and starts thinking up Boku no Pico. <laughs> <laughs> if it didn't work with fucking lollies, then I'll just turn everyone into gay pedophiles. That's that's what I was missing. It doesn't need to be girls. It needs to be little boys who look like girls. I think I'm starting to get it. Yeah. It's taken a few tries, you know, we've had to get that kinks out, but I think we're really narrowing this plan down. That's why Boku no Pico's only a couple episodes, she worked fast. <laughs> she wasn't let, she wasn't gonna let that shit fly. Yeah. She was just tired of it by that point. Suck on this or chin chin. She had gotten better at tracking down the pedophile bullshit. I mean, that is that is the last canon pedophile play in, like, all the pedo animes and shit. Boku no Pico is the last one in that string, because then she got so she got so efficient at stopping that shit, the nurse had to move on to a new method. 
<laughs> All right, this pedophile stuff's not working. It didn't even take her that long this time. <laughs> All right, let's try. She's and... killing them faster than I can come up with ideas. <laughs> yeah. And I and I thought finally my other plan with that fucking dancing vampire lolly would work. I was close with that one. I swear. <laughs> It's like Blaze Blue. The universe keeps getting destroyed and rewritten, but it's being destroyed by Doctor Tambo half the time. Yeah. It's like I find. I thought I finally figured it out when I had like technically an adult woman as a lolly. <laughs> I thought maybe she wouldn't find out because you know it wasn't t- really a lolly, but it was. But god damn it! <laughs> See, that one was where he crossed the um, the Kodomo no Gikan and Tsukihime streams. <laughs> Shit, now I confused myself. <laughs> I'm sure it'll work. <laughs> I'm just winging it at this point. Let's, let's just don't tell my minions. They'll get upset. <laughs> and then he said, okay, if that lolly thing is not working, I gotta try it with titties. Hey, you guys, I have an idea. Let's make Queen's Blade. <laughs> That's how Queen's Blade happened. You know, you, like, like society was recently destroyed because Dr. Tamo was like, okay, this pedo show's getting out of control. <laughs> we gotta start over. <laughs> I'm gonna need a lot more shotgun shells. <laughs> hey, you, you have big boobs. You're gonna be the next Eve. I'm gonna kill everybody else. That's why Queen's Blade is kind of a medieval thing. Society was still started restarting after Dr. Tambo wiped everybody out. And that's why everyone has a giant rack. <laughs> that's the, that was the template for this new society. <laughs> for this new universe. <laughs> It's like, well, she keeps killing the flat-chested ones. <laughs> maybe if, maybe the boobs will cushion when the bullets hit. Yeah. <laughs> it's maybe like they're I, all wearing... make one of them out of goo. <laughs> I think I left some silly putty around here. <laughs> then she can't shoot it. <laughs> it's like Kevlar. <laughs> so she just fucking uh, <clears throat> hit that thing with liquid nitrogen and shattered it. <laughs> nice try, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, I thought it was so close with the acid-spewing nipples. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, all hentai is, like, like a continuous thing. Like, the nurse is getting a lot of control. <laughs> he, he, was, he was doing a little too well. That was sort of the beginning of the struggle. <laughs> and then she had gotten less proficient at stopping him. And then later on, he tried to seize the theory of narrative causality for himself, and that's how Final Fantasy games happened. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to kill her with a shitty narrative itself. Here, eat Final Fantasy thirteen. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you can't go anywhere. He set up invisible walls. <laughs> he just couldn't think of a universe past that. <laughs> he only had enough time to make... A long corridor, basically. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm just gonna phone this universe in. Nobody's gonna notice. We'll decorate the corridor. She'll, she'll destroy it anyway. Yeah. It's like, he's getting dejected. Why even bother? Yeah, we'll, just, we'll just make it look pretty. Okay, wait, she destroyed this one too? Damn. Okay, let's just add a two at the end and do the same thing again. No, that, no, she hadn't destroyed it yet. That's why there's a two and a three. Ah. Dr. Tambo has yet to destroy Final Fantasy thirteen. <laughs> Which is why Lightning Returns is happening. She'll get there. <laughs> Give her some time. She got bored, all right. <laughs> the narrative was too shitty. <laughs> right now she's taking a vacation in Cabo somewhere. <laughs> she's, 
<laughs> She's like, yeah, it'll probably snowball, but I'll get to it eventually. <laughs> you know, give me my damn margarita, Kenji. I'm thirsty. <laughs> She's launching her beach. She's in a bikini. It says kill um on her tits and then all on her vagina. <laughs> She, she took a detour to stop that aura emo show. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me how cute is your sister now? <laughs> My little sister can't possibly be this cute. And then she busts down the door. You're right. She can't. <laughs> <laughs> My little sister can't be that dead. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this is a magical evening. I, I thought I thought we were gonna end this night on like a bummer that was gonna ruin my night, but no, 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 because we we did something amazing here on the other side. I can safely say with this scenario, we fixed anime. We did what could not be done. It's gonna be our new tagline: the other side, we fixed anime. <laughs> That's the like t- this is this is straight up alchemy. We are turning <laughs> this. We turn Saya into gold. And Doctor Tambo is our philosopher's stone. <laughs> oh, it's it's pretty great. <laughs> oh my god! I don't think we can go from there. Fuck everything else we were going to talk about. <laughs> oh, I guess I'm going to make this real quick because I promise I'm going to do this. I want to do a little plug. There's a Twitter y'all need to be following. Uh, it's twitter.com uh, slash the real Solomon G. Someone made a Twitter, like one of those joke Twitters, of Solomon Grundy from DC Comics, basically inspired by Injustice. And it's probably one of the funniest joke Twitters there is. Um, I would have elaborated more, but I'm sorry, dude. I can't follow this shit. Yeah. Uh, so, plus, y'all got to see it for yourself. Funny as shit. Uh, and I don't endorse a lot of joke Twitters because they're not funny as shit. But when I do, I endorse this one. Twitter.com slash the real Solomon G. Check it out; it's fucking hilarious. Yeah. Follow that Twitter. Oh yeah, and I guess we're technically we're maybe gonna link that Kotaku article so you can read the comments for yourself. Yes, because uh, they're if, uh, if if I forget, remind me in the comments. Yeah, because uh, they're as hilarious as they are depressing. Yeah, people trying to defend this shit, and like and I said, if you like praising it. If you like Sayano Uda, outside of its ending and its breakout character, <laughs> uh, you're a bad person, just flat out. If you saw this shit and you're like, I empathize or sympathize with this, nope, bad person. Uh, this is objectively garbage, and it's very bad, but somehow an awesome character found, their, found her way into it. <laughs> like I said, she just bust in. <laughs> and into our hearts. This is the only time we've actually ever seen her. <laughs> this was her genesis. <laughs> Oh, like I said, that image is like burned in my brain of her with that smile and the sideways shotgun and the axe wound she is shoved up, she is shrugging off. Yeah. The other side now officially has a waifu. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like I said, and 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 a head cannon that fixed anime. So God, I can't find that. So from all of us here, the other side, I'm Cody Byer. I'm X Wayer. I'm Andrew Harrison. Saying. Welcome to a glorious new future.
Hey, welcome to another bonus round. This is the other side edition. So we have some clips from the other side. And we took the episode where Max and and Cody are talking about psychology and anime. And this is actually before Max became the co-host. This is, I think, his second appearance on the network. So what I did, instead of just taking a clip, I... I put together a nice little, I guess you could say an abridged version of the entire podcast. So I took like a two-hour podcast, made it 15 minutes, and um, it's 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 a little funny. There's some things taken out of context that uh, that you might get a kick out of. So uh, take a listen, and you know the drill. Stay tuned. I'll have some more things to talk about later. Alex Barry. He's not gone. He just won't return my private messages. I don't know. Hentai, i.e. Japanese porn. <laughs> and now I'm here again, not because of my absolutely extensive knowledge of all the exciting ways people can penetrate each other. Jump in the comment section every now and then and just have some fun at people's expense. Due to society on various different levels. And you have like even some other, like, some more subtle ones. Cowboy Bebop did that very subtly. With Get into this when we talk later about Madoka Magica, but one of the things that, for example, Ghost in the Shell really does well is there's actually a lot of references to J.D. Salinger. They point out that the, the Laughing Man logo has the quote from Catcher in the Rye spinning on there. and Realizing this show would really, really get it. And, yeah. who, and, and why is that a thing to brag about? Like, to have religiously watched every frame of it 5,000 times in order to interpret it for us. Socrates, like shit Socrates said, and it throws a shout out to that. And if I don't know all of Socrates' bullshit word for word... Okay, missing it because of that is one thing. But let's say I yeah, just be like making the Sephiroth appear for no reason isn't deep. It's random and stupid. Bosses, just the sting. Look at this thing on this door. It's a symbol. Everything's a fucking symbol. Oh, look at him. He's in a crucifix. Oh God. But why would they do that? Do they have holographic projectors where the guys at fucking nerve going? Okay, okay. I've installed this new device on his shoulder. Well, what does it do? I'm gonna tell you. When this unit and those units over there get in the right pattern, it projects part of the Sephiroth. What the fuck does that have to do with the end of the world? Do, the, do these mindless things with Audrey 2's face somehow represent wisdom and all these virtues? Of course, yeah. not some bullshit. It's, it's just yeah. nomenclature as opposed to exactly. meanings, meanings, meanings. Yeah. Anyway, sealed anywhere or whatever. And, uh, yeah. So at least that makes sense. And Notice that they just pulled something out of their sleep. Yeah. It's, I... the same, it's the same shit. Don't look at the fact that I don't know where to go with this story. Look, Christian stuff. Decrying things like Evangelion, which was like totally existentialist and shit. Isn't that exactly what you do in philosophy? You know that you never say something that you don't mean and that you express yourself clearly. If you just write random bullshit, which doesn't follow logically, then you're gonna keep get your ass kicked. It wasn't philosophy, it was a fucking live journal with a budget. More and more people seem to be aware of Evangelion's bullshit. So I am stunned when to this day people go, oh, even I really like Evangelion. I love Evangelion. It's one of my favorite, favorite anime. It's like, yeah. really? What, don't you get it? But he had a point. <laughs> but 
Evangelion didn't even have a point. It was just, I mean, how it boggles my mind that anyone could see the, the, the self is made of two selves scene and not crack the fuck up. Like, it goes in this 12-minute dissertation. Yeah. It's Tell like as if they got Andrew Dobson for the animation. Time for that. <laughs> so here's Shinji's Or money. Yeah. We ran out of money. We need some stuff that's really easy to do. So we're just <laughs> having to walk through empty rooms and fog. Like, I love... I'm going to say this. I love the Twilight movies because they're hilarious. <laughs> Fucking... The, oh, yeah, when the vampires are made of, like brittle salt <laughs> we were laughing so hard when we were watching the riff track the guy punches some other dude's head off and the fucking his head comes off like a fucking cheap prop entertaining yeah that part with the mommy please don't kill me was actually especially funny to me because I can read that would respond and it is he is going through difficulties and he doesn't know how to properly deal in, 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 and my nose started to bleed every time uh, Misato shoots that guy in the head because it makes a fucking cartoon splat. Like the, ketchup. Like, wha- yeah, wacky, dacky, sound effect. Super Sundere, Berserker and shit. Isn't Shinji a little less ballsless in this new one? Supposedly. All, all I know is I, f- I find it actually hilarious in the original version, like how all like out of all those female characters, every single pairing that we could conceivably be with Shinji, every single one of them is fucking creepy. Actually, <laughs> he's jerking off the couple pages of strangling women. I finally get that shit, you know, revamped. Kuso working on it, people swear. Every single story element up in the Madoka Magica wiki, you know, like episode one and all that shit. I looked up all the references, all what the characters say, and I know a few things about this series. <coughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, more seriously, the entire premise of Madoka Magica is like there's this cat type thing that like offers you, you can become a magical girl, a magical girl series ever. But whenever we get like in the realms of witches or the witches themselves, they are done in this ultra arty pseudo Picasso style. These uh, amulets or whatever the fuck with like some stone in which allows them to transform that <laughs> want to harvest the earth for power. Uh, and therefore they turn girls into So this whole dark girls. deconstruction just ends with a fucking alien invasion? Pink hair from becoming a magical girl, because you know all magical girls are doomed to die and turn into witches. Like Madoka's magical potential got stronger and stronger and stronger and blah 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 blah. So that can't happen, because when that does happen you've got the audience going, Hey, why did it take this long for that to happen? Well, as the quote-unquote incubator explains, like, she'll have to fight forever. Uh... The episode is just really, really trippy, and, uh... Look at the pretty background. Some Muslim girl in a war zone, who is a magical girl for some reason. Cleopatra, a magical girl! Yeah, it actually Magical girl, Cleopatra! (laughs) Like, Jesus Christ was the first common writer. (laughs) Yeah. Most likely, uh, it's most likely the historical figure, figure, but could just be a random girl, would be just as offensive, but it's Anne Frank. Oh, especially if you've actually read the diary of Anne Frank, that's just asshole. And then she's like, oh, Madakao, if you do this, you'll be, you'll be no longer in our reality and you'll never be born and... 
which doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Time travel, she could go back in time to whatever started this shit and stop this shit. And she's everywhere and anywhere, but she isn't in the new universe, but she's like everywhere and can, is like with everyone, but nobody can see her. So in other words, she's like God. The magical girls still exist. You know why? Because witches have been replaced with some sort of demon type things, which work exactly the same as witches do. <laughs> it has basically become, since she's basically become God now, her other friend there, who's the only one who knows that she even exists, is... Uh, is basically like an evangelist, if you will. Yet always somewhere someone is fighting for you. As long as you remember her, you are not alone. Like, oh, These people powers. And they're going to have mental breakdowns. They're going to turn into weird art projects. Like, apparently they siphon emotional energy or whatever. I stopped giving a shit at Where I was going with this, I just thought it would be cool. Yeah. And uh, I apologize, sir. I will, yeah. find, I will come up with something better right, right away. <laughs> Give them magic powers that turn them into monsters, and somehow this will get us energy. Work by Johann Wolfgang von Goethe, a German writer, pretty fucking famous, to, you know, truth of the universe that uh, Ed Mosley was basically prepared to off himself. It's the exact opposite of this. Like, all the Faust references in this show are just random, thrown in bullshit, unlike basically everyone else who gushes over this fucking show. I'm getting off track. <coughs> See, the thing is with the Faust references, that they make no sense whatsoever in context of that scene. Because basically the witch was giving Faust an introduction to, you know, how witches think and work. It way fuck everything. <laughs> um, you know, curse be everything that ties us down by a demigod is what they say. Which is, of course, meant to be, you know, referring to Faust. Day of the year on the Brocken, as it's called, there's like a mountain in Germany where basically all the witches meet up. God and, you know, Mephistopheles talk with each other about Faust and then pretty much make a bet. It's like, uh, God says to him, you know, I, I, I bet you he'll be on the right path regardless whether you try or tempt him or not. I'm a magical girl and the wish will bite you in the ass and in the end you'll become a witch. Because whenever is... someone makes a deal with a magic thing, it's Faust! It's clearly an illusion to that part in Faust. Like, for example, the one part where Madoka becomes God and the other lesbian bitch becomes like her, tries to follow in her footsteps, blah, blah, whatever. This is, like, totally where the ending in Faust. I mean, that's pretty much where it ends, but it's just like Faust. <laughs> well, I guess that would be horrifying, too, but, you know, <laughs> you, know you get the point. <clears throat> it was actually pretty hilarious. Because because the thing is Mephistopheles as a, as a character, he's probably the the I, I'd say I mean Faust is technically the best written because it's very complex, but Mephistopheles is actually pretty deep too. When people think Shakespeare, they think very classical, and I remember Faust just kind of struck me as having more. Uh, ah, what the fuck is the word I'm looking for? Normally, wouldn't insert in something if you try to be so incredibly deep. Grounded! Already, you know, younger because of the witch's potion and shit. See, that's where it ties in. <laughs> um, <laughs> I remember, that's what I, th I remember liking about that when I was, because I was surprised. You know, if you're ignorant about Faust, you just think it's some classic play that introduced themes or whatever. And, you know, like, then you actually realize, like, this, this is actually this is pretty good. Pretty wanted, you wanted to boner, I, I just allowed you to do it. Comes along, <laughs> and he was of course not very happy with this. 
uh, mm. also called her a whore. <laughs> and then he's dead. Desired apple since from paradise. And uh, she's very glad that her, as she, as she says, her own garden uh, has these two. Because her and Max give quite a few examples of what the story of Faust was actually like. These things are present in Madoka Magica because Madoka Magica is so up its own ass. Brought up a couple of the times, this terrible show, inexplicably popular, called Wolf's Reign. Main character enters what I guess is heaven. He comes back and they never go back there. Girl... Still gets planted and becomes paradise. They start freaking out because this has happened a million times before. Yes. Take away his weed. He has work to do. Wolverine can't get any dumber. You've got stereotypical Indians that look like they stepped out of Peter Pan. And uh, back. Canley Kubrick vomits in your face again. I don't want like, well, it means the meaning. Fuck the meaning. What happened? People don't go watch Wolverine. Don't do it. I don't. <laughs> They'll turn into people. Well, they won't really turn into people. I don't know. We'll figure that out. People are not going to get that, and they should continue to not get that. <laughs> Can't forget some music. Oh, that was what I put in there. But <laughs> it, it <laughs> might as well have been there. These guys throw it in there. Oh, yeah, the, the villain just has a katana sword. And, you be, and I go back in time, and I me- and it turns out that your friends may not have liked it, and that's cool. I can see why, but it made sense. God did it with Jesus. I feel like, like from just from hearing that, I've kind of got to watch this ending. Just from hearing that, I feel like Spike Spencer when he was making fun of Evangelion's ending. It's like, this is how it ends. Okay, where am I? Where the fuck am I supposed to go? <laughs> I can see God. Grant people wishes and give those wishes the ability to stop your plans. Say, so you can shoot anybody you want with this gun. Just don't tell them I'm the president. <laughs> Wish for my soul to not be yours. Damn it! Better at this shit than your dramatic anime aliens. This is way too deep for you. Huh? Fucking, oh my god. Uh, I wish I knew it was a stu- Oh, I'm glad I didn't know it was a stupid when I saw it everywhere at Otakon. I'm so stupid. Oh, this is like trying to explain the plot of Evangelion when you're a huge fan. I mean to check it out. Like, wow. This sure seems to be popular among the fandom. Won't be watching that. See, lunch lady made a nipples. <laughs> the looming uh, school assignment. Like, I'm just kind of like, every day that I don't have, that it's not due, that I don't have to do it, I'm just like, yes, another one down. This episode, but God, I, just from what I've seen of that show, it hurts. It doesn't technically have, like, one over di- directly overarching theme that is, like, tied to a major philosophy. But, you know, it's, uh, the entire thing is pretty much... Asking, you know, a lot of questions about the nature of ethics and so on, but not in, like, a stupid way. Turned out to be one of the most evil people to ever walk the earth. Have any magic mind control powers? He doesn't need that shit. He can fucking talk you into suicide and... Evil. He, he saw it as his responsibility to go and kill this man. Because I mean, there was I mean, no other way shit, to stop yeah. this man. This man is too smart to be caught. People. Yeah, and causing misery. Or yeah, and, and so Dr. Tenma takes it upon himself to hunt Johan. So new characters with every story, basically. I think the only recurring characters are Dr. Tenma and Johan. Uh, a lot of the, the philosophical things it brings up is, like uh, again, the nature of, like, you know, uh, how pure are people? You know, can you drive them to do this, that, and the other? Yeah, I'm sure you appreciated that. It's like, you know, I gotta, I gotta take the dirty way out. This guy's just gotta go. Yeah. Because you have to see how Johan is fucking with their brain. Autistics, that's usually a good sign. I mean, it did factor in and made them feel, oh, it's deep, but... Uh, Lelouch and uh, CC are my water repairing. <laughs> uh, art style leaves something to be considered, but for some reason they decide, let's have Clamp draw it. This. <laughs> what do you mean that goes there? 
That's only that long? Come on. <laughs> Clamp doesn't really do lollies much. They just do a lot of, like... If they do, their lollies are just so tall and spaghetti-ish. But, uh, a lot of these shows we're talking about that kind of abuse this philosophical... Wanna be philosophical bullshit. That 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 is. I mean, it's good marketing. And cast it. Like like, were you paying attention to that conversation? You better because that was important shit of the first episode, which is basically like, so these guys had a plan to swap bodies, like put their brain in the body of this important, you know, politician, so that he his eyes could read classified data. With television for smart people is not just like fucking, you know, like oh, reference to fucking play. And things are named after stuff from a play. We'll name our ultimate witch after it. Yep. And it's the fact that it's marketing to people that care more about pop culture than actual culture. Criteria. Like, anyone who says, like, what books for fucking moron? Books are fucking stupid. Latch on to these things. I think the only books they read are the books that they have been told to read in school. If that. I mean, and I'm not sitting here uh, like, oh, I'm so much better than you because I've read books or whatever, huh? Self and, like, how, let's, let's say gullible you are. Because if you can watch Madoka Magica and think that there is legitimate connections to Faust, or should I say competent connections to Faust, you don't know Faust. Maybe I, I might read a book or two. And, and apparently, like, because you are being tricked. That's fishing line. They threw the hook. You bit. You bit the hook. They got you. Cool. So, and so, if you're sitting there trying to justify it and uh, dissect it and deconstruct it, step back. Take a look inward. Like, wow, you really got them. That's free money, and you didn't even have to know what you're doing. And I'm your guest host, Mike Sueda, saying this. These shows actually don't mean shit. Yeah, hopefully you got a kick out of that. I know I did. There were some parts in there that it just lined up perfectly, and it's completely random how that happened. So um, look for more of those. It's an interesting, another way of an, the other side of look listening to the other side. And don't just think I'll do it to them. I'll do it to other podcasts as well. But they just say so many bombastic things that if you just take them out of context, it's hilarious. So um, those guys are good sports about that. <laughs> And um, anything that's coming up with Anime 3000, yes, I put up a recent post for the Geek Fawn podcast. I'm going to be releasing that soon. And um, that's just our way of branching out to other areas of, of geek culture or just pop culture. So it could be American cartoons, comics, web series. Just bring people on to talk about some of the cool things they're doing. And um, hopefully have a nice little... A little cross promotion between anime and other works. So that's the idea of the Geek Fawn podcast. And it's also sort of like my personal blog too. So we're working on that. And also working on adding more affiliates that are non-anime related as well. To kind of show love there. So we have a lot of people reaching out to us asking about that. So we're filling the need. And at the same time scratching an itch that's there 
So go to anime3000.com. You know the drill where I go over all the ways you can enjoy Anime 3000. Email us, contact at anime3000.com or Facebook and Twitter, all Anime 3000. Want to keep it nice and easy for you. Our Tumblr, Anime 3000. And the voicemail number, that's 954-780-6201. We've been getting an influx of voicemails that you will be hearing on the A3K podcast pretty soon. So that is really cool. And yeah, I think I'm done. So see ya next podcast. This is Sean Russell, signing off. 